Musical insight from insightful musicians. This is Hot Hair. Well, hello there and welcome back. Mike Borman here and I'm delighted to serve you up this week with a whopping great dose of Hosh who you'll find to be absolutely great value. And I absolutely knew he would be. Uh, to be honest, I got him on the show just because I think he's a good lad, basically. Uh, there was no more profound reason than that. But we still have a theme. Uh, and what is particularly worth talking about with Hosh is the relationship between music and visuals. Uh, he recently did a series of nights in Ibiza called Roulette, which had a very innovative visual theme. Uh, and this gave me a great excuse to do something a little bit different with the interview. Uh, I actually rigged him up to a hypnagogic light machine and zapped him with a load of visuals before it even started. Uh, the story of that machine is a whole other show in itself. Um, if you're curious, you can find out a bit more by Googling uh, the Lucia number no. three hypnagogic light experience. Uh, but for now, music. Uh, and coming in is one of Hosh's finest bits of work in recent times, in my opinion. This is called The Drumpet Show. Interview to follow.
let's get on to, to yeah. lighting. So right. Well, first of all, thanks. That that was that was a nice idea of you. Yeah. Quite impressive. And I was actually thinking because I know you uh, you wrote that uh, you liked the idea was a roulette concept and stuff. And I was actually thinking while I had this session, like this is kind of like what I want, you know, like the interaction of the music and the visuals. That's why I had the idea about that concept. In the end, the concept was just like a super rough, basic thing, which could be like, if you really have a budget and stuff, you could do like really some cool stuff with this. Because, you know, my idea was to have the, um, like every color like broken down to the harmonic scale. Yeah. So every note in the harmonic scale, every key, has its own color and when the DJ start to mixing up tracks it can stay in one color but if you're changing moods with the tracks you also change the light in the room this was like the whole purpose of it no but so you need detection for this obviously for the for the scale yeah no so I was like yeah why not I mean every CDJ has a detection now we have to just put out that signal and there's ways but we didn't have so much time in the end so we couldn't set it up so we had to uh, deal like with a camera on the CD player so right. the VJ could see which which scale <laughs> is on right now and there was All still right. the human factor in it. Ah. and you know when I was moving favors he also had to move favors faders all right yeah because I had this idea you were going to tell me about some super duper light musical light concept that was automatic but you didn't yeah, have no, the, no, you no. didn't have the budget to do it oh yeah that's all that's a problem <laughs> yeah yeah the budget and the time because uh, my visual guy he was he was like he was spot on i mean for me it felt like it was because he w really did an awesome job on this mm. but um no it was it was still by hand but the idea still you know you could see like changing like while i was mix mixing like on the roulette wheel like uh, the BPM changing, like the spins, like in breaks, it went like slow, the roulette, and then also the color change that oh, I just said. Oh, that's quality. I, felt, I think it was beautiful. So yeah, it was, um, in the end, um, it was, because first I wanted LEDs actually for this, but then we worked with mapping in the end, which was cool because it gave us a bit more uh, possibilities to bring in other stuff on top. And besides that, like even before that idea, I the, the main idea was when I'm standing in the club, like most of the time, I think, what about the fucking lights? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why is it so lighted? Why is it so flashy? There's always something wrong with the lights. Yeah. Hardly ever it's correct. So my first, when I first addressed the light team, the, the VJ, it's like, dude, I only at the time one light. And you make sure also that guy with, with the other lights, con uh, controlling the other lights in the room, he's always in tune on one color and no more, never more than one color. Okay. <laughs> so, so, and then I was like, okay, but how do we change colors? And then I, from there I got this idea like with a harmonic scale. <clears throat> ah, and, and so did you need to spend a bit of time rehearsing with them when you did it yeah, out yeah, in yeah. Ibiza? Yeah, I mean, we sat down a few times. He told me, okay, this is possible now in this time because we came up with that party. We had five parties. We uh, came up with that party like almost in May when the other parties were already starting. Like we had set it all up like within three, four weeks. So that was, it was like really like a fast shot, you know. I moved to Ibiza and I was like, hey, I'm here anyway, so why not? Let's, and, let's and, do. <laughs> and how did they do commercially for you? The parties? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we had like for the opening, we had BATV, so we kind of got it spread there. And I was wondering though, when I played like gigs afterwards, like South American stuff, they knew the party. And I was like, okay, because they're, they're listening a lot to Ibiza Sonica mm. and Global Radio and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was live on so, Sonica, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they didn't know details, but they heard, okay, about the roulette party and stuff. And the ones who were there, that was the most important. They had all quite a good time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, but that, that was going to be my next question, actually. How much do you think that the people really understood the light concept when they were there? Did they really get it? No, no, no. I got good feedback on yeah. that. It was like amazing sound. And I was like, and? Amazing lights. <laughs> <laughs> that happened a few times. No, it was obvious that the light was special and different from like 
like the normal things they would see, you know, in the in the other clubs, and also in heart because yeah, like I said, I wanted. I got mad a few times when I saw two, three colors in the room. I was like, "Dude!" <laughs> so, so is that so? Is, does that often happen when you when you're in a nightclub oh, that, yeah. that you want to strangle the lighting engineer? Yeah, the wor and the worst is I hate spots on me. You know, right. taking you know, DJing. I know you're in front of a crowd and an entertainer, but it's also a very private thing. And when the light is too much on you, it like takes this. It, you feel more like a show guy and not like yeah. um, so, it somebody bursts who, the bubble. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, are you going to do this again? Um, we were thinking about it, but um, yeah, in the end, like I said, it's a budget thing. So, and if I don't, I, I want to do it again or even improve, but I need the right budget for it because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Because you know, otherwise. You, you cannot fly in any DJs and I have to play alone. This doesn't work for me. So, um, I mean, it works, but it's not what I want, yeah. what I want to achieve here was that night. And, and when, you, when you were playing at Roulette, how much of the music did you plan to go with certain lighting tricks? No, that not. No, no. I, I mean, I had like a basic idea of like how, how I structure the night, also depending on the guest I had. Yeah. You know, when I when I had Rodriguez Jr., for example, playing the live act, I knew I was going to do like a classic warm up thing. And, yeah. you know, preparing like an easy start for him and then, you know, smash it a bit more after him. So th the things that he won't do in the live act, I actually do it as a DJ then, obviously. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, but when I played, for example, with Patrice Bäumel, I knew, hey, dude, let's play the whole night together. Yeah. Because he's an amazing DJ as well. So I was like, so during the sets, you didn't need to go over to the lighting engineer. No, to tell no, him no. Anything. I was I was looking up more than on any other party up yeah. to the lightning guy all the time to be in tune with him. And um, when I didn't see him, I was already getting nervous <laughs> when he took a piss or something. <laughs> because I wanted this, you know, also to to bring this to the people that this is the special thing about the night and it's not just a night another night mm. so because i said like to heart when i do this obviously you don't have the budget like to bring in like super a plus headliners here next to me i mean i had music wise a plus headliners but you know this was a name dropping and the fees yes. <laughs> <laughs> in visa especially yeah but then at least I, I want to create something special like a unique experience here for the people so that was my whole approach to do this night so did you find yourself playing any differently because of the lighting that you'd set up um not not really but i thought maybe like how to approach moods different like how long i want to hold certain moods yeah you know and and then change it to also you know change the light with it actually it's stupid the thought because you know it's basically the same like i did before just that you had it more obvious because the light supported that fact you know yeah <laughs> so you were thinking in segments of this like in segments yeah exactly exactly i always do that kind of this is for me is a, is a typical DJ thing, you yeah. know, to think in segments like there's like different um, states you approach that you want to make the people feel and you can like, it's interesting also to turn it completely around to start like the opposite way that sometimes I played, like I said, I played before like backwards oh, for okay. example yeah, and that's, that's very interesting <laughs> it works <laughs> it works yeah that's, that's quite a good idea yeah. i'll remember that no, I, no because i mean <laughs> you know sometimes uh, like okay what what did the resident do here now damn it i, I was planning like to start smooth here in the night and yeah. then i just turn it around you know yeah. i like start off kind of with the more not the super bomb maybe but with some more bombish stuff mm. <laughs> and then build it towards the other stuff i was going to open with first <laughs> so did your lighting guy know what the segments were um, before no 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 no, no no i wanted there an interaction there yeah. no no yeah to plant is not good also for sets to plant is not good it's good to have like those segments or ideas also like which is like your your crossover tracks you know like your bridge tracks, bridge tracks yeah. super important like to uh, those tracks are like actually the most important weapons in a dj set because 
that makes your job easier, no? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. finding those and not forgetting them, that's really... I actually have a folder named Bridge that's, Tracks. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. I'm quite organized that's good. with that. Yeah. That's, good. that's good. That can get you out of jail yeah. as well when you don't quite know where, where you're losing the crowd a little bit and you think, ooh, I need to change this. Right. But yeah, like you say, in terms of preparation, it's good to be prepared. But it's not good, and this is very easy with our um, new super um, digital organized media stuff in the computer. Not to over organize. Yes. Yeah. You know, sometimes I like, you know, I'm in the plane. Oh yeah, that was that and that and that. I don't know. Let's just put them like there somehow, <laughs> and then I have to find them myself in, yeah. the, in the moment in the night. <laughs> I think I think a good way of looking at it, um, David Byrne, the guy from Talking Heads. Yes. Great guy. He wrote a really interesting book called How Music Works. And his theory was that his preparation, the idea of it, was in order to set up accidents. So there was kind of, there was a delib it was like a deliberate accident, which sounds like a contradiction in terms. It is a contradiction in terms. But he would just set up, he would have a certain studio set up, and then for his next album, he deliberately go to another studio oh, super. in another city, super. work with another engineer, and he knew that what would happen would end up being different because he changed the links in the chain. It's kind, of, it's kind of similar to putting like limitations. I like that. For example, for my last project, which will come out this year, I basically took two synthesizers that I bought new, I never had before, and a TR8 drum machine, and that was it. And I was like recording you know, in sessions, like basically the whole track. I mean, I would chop parts later, yeah. but I wouldn't over chop like I used to or do everything by chopping. Yeah. So, and it, it became like somehow it got another flow, you know? Um, but yeah. yeah, it's like those limitations that that um, bring up your creativity. Yeah. Or like, like you said, those accident moments, I can totally see that, you know, because you bring your best usually when when you like people struggling and you have to find a way out yeah. because then you have to be creative in that moment did i just hear someone mention david byrne uh, good excuse for me to play this i think uh, it's called the hearts alone hunter and it's one of byrne's less well-known collaborations uh, this is with the thievery corporation uh, but i think it's brilliant uh, if nothing else for the facts it contains the phrase welcome to my spaceship Love it. The truth is unspoken, my promise is broken. I'm under surveillance, they know what my name is. I need some protection, some love and affection. There's 1,000 reasons, but one is the number.
in a club in the club Ooh. the club is it's hard no it was not well I can say on a techno party because you know um, I grew up in north of Germany and at the time like mid towards and the 90s when I started to go out after my exchange junior year in the United States um, I was around 17 there um, it was like Basically, psychedelic trance parties, like so-called Goa parties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the other, the club culture was quite towards like vocal house, that kind of stuff. So I was, my friends, when I came back, already went to psychedelic trance parties. So that's where they brought me. And the light on those parties was quite impressive. Huh? And it I was mean, one, it was one of the things you know <laughs> you noticed as much as the music, did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was a complete experience. Yeah. Maybe that's why I'm still looking for it. But I must say, actually, I was more impressed by the light than the music because the music on those parties there were like certain DJs that hit my my kind of taste because I preferred it more reduced and more straight and. A bit more robotic, yeah. techno-ish, you yeah. know, and mixed well together. Like, I mean, you can still hear that kind of in my stuff still, I think. Yeah. And not too crazy, like, we are one, we are one. So, but that was like, yeah, I was impressed uh, with the lightning and those. Uh, that worked a lot with black light, obviously. And like really big strings of black light that looked like super, like, huge laser projections basically and laser also was one thing that really got stuck into my mind ah now i remember in the club as well the, that was in the tower in lüneburg a little town north of germany right. like hundred thousand people student student town and they had this party in a location called the tower just remembering the party's name was also tower i think and they had this green and red laser in a three-dimensional um, um, net, like a like a net from a spider, three-dimensional on the complete dance floor, right. and that laser, it seemed it wouldn't move, but it moved only like a few millimeters. So that kind of you were like, ah, that's cool. Yeah, that was super cool, and it never moved more, and it it was amazing. It was amazing. Maybe it was not supposed to move. It was just the bass vibration. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or no, maybe no, it was the drugs. No, no, it moved. No, no, no it moved for sure. And it, it was amazing. Yeah, that was the first time I was really impressed by by lightning in the club. So, so you've always you've always judged clubs by their light. Just an obvious factor, no? I mean, in general, I prefer dark spots. Yeah. And the light that must be very good that it's you know like right accentuated. I like red lights in the club for sure. Moody atmospheres. I like that. And I don't like the obvious stuff that's like too much in your face. I mean, how, how easy is it to negotiate with the lighting techs? Because they're, they're interesting characters. I've always found them quite entertaining. But what are they like when you tell them what to do? That's the thing. And that's one, one thing 
you know, I'm touring without a tour manager, and sometimes I think just for that purpose, it would be nice to have a tour manager. <laughs> so I might do that in the future, actually. And then <laughs> there will be a list of Horsch instructions. <laughs> and yeah. the, the one very first, check lights before the night. <laughs> yeah, well, it would, be per it would be perfectly reasonable compared to some of the riders I've seen. That's pretty, that's pretty small. Right. But do, do you find yourself having arguments with them? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I had fights with light jockeys. Oh, really? yeah, I mean, you know, they like they were probably sitting the whole week. Like I prepare a set, they were like preparing the live show, and then stupid DJ comes around the corner and tells them to shut it down. Oh gosh! Yeah. Or, or the worst is like what's what's really really uh, common nowadays is like one beamer right into your face for the projection behind the DJ. Come on, dude, just fucking put it two meters higher and go above the head, you know? I'm not that tall. <laughs> and still they manage always to get in my side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that must, that must be really unnerving. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never really thought about that. Because obviously I haven't been on a big enough DJ bill <laughs> for no, me happens, to be projected. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. <laughs> oh, there you go. Actually, one thing um, we, uh, it's a, ni a nice thing not to add for this interview. Um, and because I was thinking before, like what, what was actually the first time I was infected with visuals and techno or, and sound. And, you know, there was this project I had when I was like in seventh grade and uh, our music teacher uh, he said okay here's a camera so we may we're doing groups of two to three people and you have to do a music video you can choose uh, some music and have to do some pictures he was like obviously expecting us to film us and dancing and yeah. stuff we went a bit crazy on that one so we ended up with like a techno music video <laughs> from like i don't know some super old, i wasn't into techno even then but we picked the techno track yeah. and so what we did was like we took this camera and by incident i was holding it against the tv and there was like this feedback loop Ooh. and this was like you know i mean you know this screen you know with the white and black fuzzles you know yeah yeah that, and this was like like a super telescopic lens into there and it was like if you would go through planets through those <laughs> it's amazing i was we have it on vhs somewhere i was asking my buddy rudy but he doesn't find it it's too bad i would have loved to give you this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant and we we got a double a plus on that on the project because he couldn't believe what we did there <laughs> so even from school you've been into like yeah, music that just because proper. of this and interview to add this yeah that's kind of a nice i was thinking in the airplane about this like when was actually the first time i, I was like with visuals and music and yeah, that was the time. <laughs> I'm glad the teacher understood. Like I, I'm not certain a teacher in England would have really appreciated techno with, with, with messed up lighting. I don't think I'd have got an A plus if I did that yeah, in my I was, class. I was lucky with my school. I was in the school, it was called Ecologic Humanism. <laughs> oh, right. So they, have, they were a bit more open-minded. Good for me. Yeah, I struggled in the school before. That's what my parents said. Oh, so you were sent, you were sent away <laughs> yeah, to another of, one. Kind of. Ah, <laughs> it was okay. still a free decision, but <laughs> let's let's say it was pretty obvious what was going to happen if I stay on the other school. Oh right. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. I wasn't a bad boy or anything. <laughs> but you ended up going into hippie circles. I guess. <laughs> so, are there clubs? in the world that you go to where you know that the lighting is going to be amazing clubs the lightning i cannot think of one right away I'm no way no yeah i'm just wow. thinking because i know that that, that dixon used to fly, well he used to fly out the lighting engineer from Bergheim to some of his i was i was just events. gonna say um panorama bar the lightning is excellent the watergate obviously yeah watergate is yeah it's a classic now, but yeah, you know the first times I was really impressed with that lightning in there. It's the same crew who built it. Uh, what's their name? Um, well, I have to look that up. But it's the same crew who built uh, Watergate and does also the 
the stuff in, in Burkhan. Panorama, Panorama, you've got to love it when they lift the shutters. The well, it's just... And that is kind of like the white laser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's, just, it's just great. Looks awesome, no? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan, actually, of like this gloomy shadow-ish lightning, you know, lightning that happens with shadow. That was actually, I had a concept for a party this year, which due to the budget reason doesn't work out, but I had actually a concept. I want to tell the whole concept now, but oh, okay. it was based kind of on a shadow concept. Ah. And, you know, to, to work actually with the not light. Yeah. <laughs> to set, like, with the light, the not light. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the shadows. So, so at some point in future, you'll be doing more lighting concepts with, with your own nights. It's just Oh, I hope so. No, no, I, I also want to do, for sure, in the future again a night. And, yeah, um, let's see. I have, I have a few ideas, for sure. Also, um, I have, especially because talking about this, like, kind of twilight-ish aspect, gloomy lights... This will be when I, I will start a new label this year and I have exactly this from a super good old friend of mine, Sandra, Sandra Bildstein, photographer. And she became kind of like an Instagram hero, right. like with her, her uh, style of pictures. And for me, it's like the expression of complete freedom. Like you look at them and they're like, it's like super poetic. Like, and they will make, I'm super happy I can have those pictures for the cover and determine again with kind of like a visual aspect already the mood of the, of the sound as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, I can, show you, I can show you some yeah. of that. Well, what's the name of the project? It's, it's actually coming inspired from those pictures yeah. and the music. It's called Freiheit. It's, it's spelled Fry, F-R-Y-H-D-E, Freiheit. Now, Hosh has certainly been a busy boy in the studio lately, um, as he will elaborate more on later. Uh, the album is called Stories from Tatalia, and it's due to drop on June 2nd. This, meanwhile, is his latest smash, which, uh, as of last week, was number one in the Beatport techno charts, and it's called Karma. consider yourself more of a DJ than a producer or is it I, I'm actually this is like a question I've been always asking in interviews no like, oh sorry no 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 I try not to ask the no, same no. old crap no no and for the first time in my so-called career DJ career or producer career I would say I'm right in balance now there was times where I was like super nerdy production wise like in the beginning of dynamics 
I was also DJing obviously and stuff, but I got into all the technique side of things and spent times in forums and in the studio like 24-7. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there was the time where I was only DJing and didn't care much about the studio because I was kind of studio sick, you know? And right now <coughs> it's like super balanced. Mm. And this also in my, yeah, my, well, I didn't tell you about it, so you cannot know it. My new project actually is a double album mixed together. So I, I, I wanted to show like my complete skills in that project, like producing the tracks basically for a compilation album mix, mixing okay. them together. So it's like over 20 tracks and presenting like a two hour mix and mixed together, obviously. Oh, so I was like, cool. okay, actually I'm doing a DJ mix. But here's the thing, Hosh, you have to produce every track yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of the idea. <laughs> and, and, and is that finished now? Yeah, it's finished. I, well, I'm finishing the last two tracks right now. And yeah, this will be then coming out quite soon. And I don't, I don't want to talk too much about it because, you know, then, then my PR agency will be like, dude, you already told the whole story. <laughs> yeah. um, so the... The medium of an album, it gets, harder, it, it gets harder and harder to get people's attention. You must have been thinking about that when you oh, were yeah. doing it. Sure. Thinking, shit, will, anyone, yeah. will enough people and you really know, and get you it? you see like, the best techno album, like, they completely unnoticed. For, for example, the last Pick and Dan album was like a smasher of a techno album. I was talking to them, he was like, man... Like, few tracks showed up in the B-Port charts, but nobody actually yeah. was talking about that album. And it's like, yeah, it's not album times. Definitely not. Yeah. Like, but you don't care. <laughs> You're just no, doing it. No, no, no. No, I know. I thought about it. And the way I will uh, present it um, is also in tune with <laughs> this kind of thinking. So... Okay, let's just say it will be fucking free mix. <laughs> okay, right, right. Okay. No, it will be it will be a free download mix, okay. and um, I will release then because it will otherwise get also completely lost. I will uh, later release the tracks for the DJs, but first the listener, first the ones I dedicate this to. Yeah, and this is a free mix for everybody. Yeah, and I want to get as many people hearing it. Obviously, uh, that's why you do your music. <laughs> yes, yeah, but of course, it gets harder and harder to earn any money when they do it. Oh, I don't think about but... money for this, really. Um, for money, you do your gigs. I mean, yeah, that's why you do a living off um, the production thing. It's to underestimate. Uh, it's to estimate the um, not estimate to um, how you say to. It's a force to a PR force, like, like a calling card. Basically. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's your it's your card. Exactly, exactly. That's a good good one, actually. Yes. Yeah, I've been using it for years. <laughs> Glad you like it. Now it's mine. <laughs> well, when you're making music, do you have a picture in your mind of how the club would look when you drop it? Or always, always. There's no no track I wouldn't. I, that's the thing. Why I'm like equally DJ and producer because I always think how to drop that tune, <laughs> and I always have like I see if the um, every track has like this party for me. That's what I did it. Who, uh, what I did it for the track, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and is the is it is the picture? Are you actually picturing what the lighting would be and and. Yeah it's, more, yeah, it's more kind of a mood thing. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't like really picture lights. No, I would more picture faces of people. You know? Yeah. That's kind of... Right. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very interactive with, um, you know, I always pick like around three to four people on the dance floor. And with those, I'm communicating really hardcore, like mimic-wise throughout my whole sets because... That's my my direct response, you know, on on my playing. So when I see them happy, then I know I did a good job. Yeah. And this happens like in the first minutes in my set, I pick those people intentionally. I don't think about it or anything. I just do it. <laughs> and those and this is kind of what I picture also when I picture those tracks in my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's that's a good way of framing it. And you know, Dice said exactly the same thing. No shit. <laughs> yeah, he, he he said that. 
there was a time when he was in uh, when he was in DC Ten. It was Circa Loco in the early days, and they moved his set to a different time. And he thought, "Oh God, this is this is shit," because he was looking in the middle of the crowd. And then Ricardo Villalobos said the to dip. him, "Look, look to the side." <laughs> I mean, at Circa Loco at the time, the people on the side, I think, were. Were, were the new arrivals. The people yep. in the middle yep. were, were monged yep. from the night before. Or it was, yeah, there was yeah. some theory. But from then on, he'd always look to the side and he'd identify individual people and, and that would be his vibe. It's interesting <laughs> that you say that. And yeah, the uh, one cool thing is also, you know, you pick those people and then there's a few people, like, I wouldn't call them fans, like, I would say, like, friends, dynamic friends, like, hardcore followers. Uh, like for for example, a girl Emily, she's like our most dedicated fan. She has like this dynamic tattoo also and stuff, super cool. <laughs> and you know, when I see her, she's obviously one of the people I picture, and I can tell like by the response, her mood. How was my set that day? <laughs> I can yeah, tell because I know her very well. Yeah, I mean, could be she has a bad day, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, does, does anybody have a tattoo of you on there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> Better not. <laughs> There's My a, wife will kill them. No. <laughs> There's a guy I know up north in England who's got a tattoo of Sasha. Yeah? <laughs> really? Like, what the fuck? I, I bet a lot of people have tattoos of Sven Veith and people like that. Yeah, These be. huge cult sort of legends. Like, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, so you've just recently become a father. Also, yes. Taking some time off. How yes. how has that been? How that's, how is the little one? That's the best ever. The little one is is great. It's pure light, <laughs> pure light, pure sunshine. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's like I don't know. You know, I want I want to say some words, but there's no words for it. Basically, it's just beautiful. You know, just to wake up in the morning, you look over to the bed of the little one and get a little smile first thing in the morning. It's yeah, it's it's amazing. But did you find it difficult <coughs> to get back on tour again having had the time off? <laughs> imagine, imagine. I had three months off and yeah. I never took off before. I mean, besides maybe one or two weeks. Yeah. So this was like, wow. I was like, the state was getting closer and closer and I was complaining to my wife like daily. Like I was counting down the hours basically. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad to drop, I know, but <laughs> it's not even a job. But it, it must be a bit strange being in hotel rooms all around the world yeah, when no, you know just, that they're back home. No, I mean, I love doing what I do. and It's just the thought of, you know, leaving this little being that we just brought into the into the world mm. you know and don't see her like for yeah i have you know how it is sometimes it's like four or five days that i don't see her now yeah yeah that, yeah that must be difficult so you've been you've been off for three months have you been able to focus on making music again yeah 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 i've been doing constantly music like in those three months <clears throat> Um, I was really doing all the time music. I mean, I was finishing this big project off. The creative part of the project, the main core of like 85% of the creative part, I did in a super quick time in one of the sleeping rooms in our house. I just set up this little studio there. Right. And <clears throat> this was like a span of, I don't know, 1.5 months, like two months max maybe. And then afterwards, everything was like, you know, getting the tracks finished, you know, and bring it together to this mixed thing also. Like, how does it make sense for me? Mm. And, but now it's, yeah, it's super cool. Um, I had like, you know, I don't know, like those baby carriers you put the child in, like those, yeah. those, um, what, the little buggies? Those, fa yeah, those fabrics you like spin around you, like not spin, like it's, you carry a baby, it's kind of hippie -ish kind Oh of. yeah, no, I know what you mean. <coughs> yeah, I know what you mean. So we have one of those and it's cool. Because I had Mia Lee, our daughter, she, like on me, like almost 50% or something of the time I was in the studio and I couldn't turn up so loud because, yeah, I mean, it's a small <laughs> being, you know, <laughs> and she hears a lot. <laughs> so I had to keep the volume, the levels down and it helped me a lot, like while mixing down the tracks, actually. Back into the club, interruptions. So we're talking about light. We like the light interrupting the music, or should I say, working with the music. 
can enhance the experience. What about things like CO2 cannons? <laughs> I'm allergic to that. I mean, they're, they're okay. No, I must say, everything has its right it's right place and right time oh, to Oh, go be. on, just say that they're shit. <laughs> yeah, they're shit. <laughs> I was like, don't worry. No, <laughs> no, it's not only... No, there was like two times where I liked it. No, one time. <laughs> one time. Where was that? I tell you why. And I was screaming for it to turn them more, uh, more often. That was uh, three years ago in Amsterdam for ADE. We did this double showcase, like two nights in a row, dynamic. And... That room was like an old cinema, no, a, a, a film studio. And it was freaking hot in there. Like really freaking <laughs> hot. Like 48 <laughs> degrees or something, you know. I was completely soaked. Like if I was really coming from the shower. And at one point, you know, I put a drop. <laughs> <laughs> and then those CO2 cannons hit in. And the room cooled down a degree. <laughs> I tell you, man, it was... And I was like, what was that? CO2 cannon. Ah, so that's, how much, that's how much you like them for the sake of temperature. Like. Yeah, but the thing is, they're just too fucking loud. Yeah, I know. I know because, I know. you know, I mean, they blow away your ears. It's like a constant white noise in the music. And they, I mean, they're supposed to enhance the so-called drop, but they kind of destroy it for me. Because how often does it happen that the VJ or the... The, the CO2J yeah. <laughs> hits it right on the one, you know? It doesn't. And then they're always like... <laughs> <laughs> so do you ever take control of the smoke when you're DJing? Of this, uh, yeah, I used to. But I must say smoke nowadays is less of a problem. I had last year, I think, one festival where they were really like overpacing the smoke right. and thing was, cannon was broken. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it was just spitting out randomly whenever it wants. But yeah, but it used to be a big thing back in the um, begin 2000s. I know all the clubs were like full in smoke and I liked it for the lasers, but obviously, you know, a bit too much of smoke or too early in the night doesn't really help. <laughs> yeah, get, get this. There was a rave quite near to where we're sitting now in East London in the late 80s where they poured a couple of bottles of poppers into the smoke machine and they just gassed everyone. Oh my God. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, but that's, yeah, those kind of stories back in the days, there were those kind of stories. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the late 80s rave scene is just, I never get tired of hearing stories about that. <laughs> Complete, completely mad. What, what was it like back then in Hamburg? You had a little bit of a scene in the late 80s, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, like I said, I was um, born like in Lüneburg and all my school was like I don't know like uh, an hour from Hamburg yeah so we were in the weekends it was I, I had the feeling I got quite quite a good scene there in this time so I mean there were many clubs clubs were full we had all sorts of DJs coming in but no I had I had the feeling it was a good scene and I mean looking at the label culture from Hamburg um, there's a few and must have a reason, no? They, I guess they did a good job. We had, like, for example, one legendary club called uh, Click that was like kind of when things started to get electro-ish in a nice way, like B-Pitch Control also at that time, that yeah. kind of area. And they were like the number one club at that time. They did very well educating people sound-wise there. They had a nice booking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I only really started to understand about the Hamburg scene through speaking to DJs like you, Steve Bug as well. He, he said I was going to say, he was. Was, he was a resident all the time. I saw him in Phonodrome in that time. He played usually on the second floor there, my floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he said that, um, I think it was Matthias Helbron was, was, a, Matthias, bit, uh, yes. was a bit of a hero. Yes. Like, he played there quite a lot. But... I didn't, but do you think that Hamburg is a little bit underrated in terms of the, the world scene? Because you always hear about New York and London and Berlin. Well, I would compare it maybe to Manchester. Okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, mean, you know, it's on the map. It's yeah. not as London, obviously, yeah. but it has also a fair amount of history. I mean, probably Manchester even more. Or, I mean, in terms of popularity. But I don't know if it's underrated. I wouldn't say so. I mean... I think Hamburg is right, right there where it should be. 
and people who know about it they know you know yeah. and that's fine and, you know and berlin is obviously from germany the most obvious city when it comes to electronic music because it's uh, the tourism city of of techno in germany <laughs> you've probably it's probably easier to connect with the crowds in hamburg because there aren't as many tourists exactly it's it's much more of a um yeah like a kind of family scene yeah yeah <clears throat> With yeah. lots of intrigues and stuff, obviously, also. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. I mean, you, you've been part of that scene for a long time. Oh, you, yeah. You've had a nightclub. There'll be, there'd have been all sorts, and you've done yeah. big outdoor events. Yeah, my last experience wasn't that great with the Hamburg yeah. scene, to be honest. Yes. I wanted to give something back. It didn't end so well. <laughs> Got thrown back at me. <laughs> so what, what, you know, what, what happened? You took it over from, wasn't uh, it Solomon's yeah, I don't want Club to, I want, before? Yeah, I don't want to get, yeah, it was Solomon's Club before, Solomon, Magdalena, Adrianos. I want to get in too much detail, but basically... A friendship that I thought was a friendship <laughs> is the friendship anymore. And I trusted some people who I shouldn't have trusted. And it's okay, you know, it's okay. Clubland. Clubland. <laughs> so yeah, the, it's chaos. When did we meet the first time yes, in Birmingham? Well, yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. The first, the, fir the first time I met you, I had to give you the news that not only had you got a play to 40 people, we couldn't pay you. So yes. <laughs> there, there are a lot of sharks in clublands. Yeah, that's all right. No, but one thing I learned is never open a club if you cannot be in that club, actually. So, or you're really, I mean, or your wife is maybe running it, but um, as soon as there's money involved, it's an old saying, but I had to find out. <laughs> yeah, it can easily disappear. Yeah, and you know, some people don't have the same ideals like you. So you would think this you would never do to somebody because, you know, that's your understanding of fairness, of friendship, whatever. But don't count on other people to have the same ideals. And it's hard to find the ones with the right ideals. This is what I talked with my brothers about the other day. Like to actually find people you're working with that also have the same ideals, you know? Mm. Not only the same goals, but the same ideals. Yes. So, like, where are they coming from? What did uh, their parents give them really on the way? <laughs> or what uh, did they learn in life, you know? So I guess you were quite lucky with all the other dynamic guys. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. You're this, all still friends. You know, no, yeah, yeah, we are friends. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's normal that, you know, music-wise, things also grow in different directions sometimes. It's more than normal, but this was, like, my music family for over 10 years now. And we were always like growing next to each other and we could always ask for an opinion and get a straightforward um, response to it. And I really appreciated this. Yeah, I've got a lot of respect for the Dynamic crew. Hosh, Solomon, Stimming, they've got the right take on life. They're good guys, they really are. And I love how back in the day, they just came out of nowhere and burst onto the scene with music that had such melodic value. So I'm gonna end the show with said music of melodic value. This is David August, Instant Harmony. And it was a track that got me into the whole dynamic sound in the first place. Just so unbelievably lush. And if you aren't consumed by the absolute beauty of this, then you're listening to the wrong show. This track shaped my whole taste in electronic music for years afterwards and even now I can still trace back a lot of what I do musically to that moment when I heard it for the first time. What a beast! <laughs>